That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Brass monkey, the funky monkey. I actually don't know what that song is about. It's probably super inappropriate. It's by the Beastie Boys. And it makes me think, well, the passage from Numbers for the fourth Sunday in Lent made me think of it because there's a brass serpent. Actually, bronze. Mm. It's a bronze serpent. Mm, it's good. But it that's is good. An, they're both alloys. <laughs> they both kind of have the same color. It's a monkey or a snake. Anyways, so uh, an, a member of the animal kingdom. How you doing, Jake? I'm uh, doing all right. I'm doing much better than a lot of people in Texas, and uh, we are praying for you, Aaron. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, we are recording uh, about a month earlier, and uh, Texas is under a ton of snow and uh, very cold. So, but and everybody needs to know that uh, AZ is holding it down. So, uh, well, yeah, and I'm really grateful that we have power to be able to record this. That I'm in my office that has heat and all that sort of stuff. We've been, our, our home and church has been spared from the outages and we've been able to run a warming center here, which sort of turned not just into a warming center, but into a, a almost like a homeless shelter. And, uh, but it's been an incredible thing to see God provide uh, the people and the resources that we needed to, to do this, helping some of our city's most vulnerable people. So yeah, it's bananas down here and mm. uh, we'll be in this situation for a while. So, uh, in terms of cleaning up and repairing and all that sort of stuff, once today is the day that it's supposed to get above freezing for the first time in about eight days, and we'll, we'll start to thaw out and then discover all the leaks, and people can start getting their homes and businesses repaired and all of that. So, and pray for Austin too, especially. Well, by this point, hopefully it'll all be resolved whenever you are listening to this, leaders, but uh, re- listeners. But we've got, um, I mean, hospitals that had to like that had no water, so they had to move all their patients. So. Uh, somebody asked if we, st- you know, how am I doing? And I said, well, if, if the Brazos River turns to blood and I start seeing clouds of gnats everywhere, then I really will start to get worried. But right now I'm okay. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, we are, um, how's, a, how's, how's your Lenten fast? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, somebody, I saw somebody put on Facebook today, like, people in Texas have given up grocery stores, heat, water, you know, and I think we're, uh, and power. So we're, we're giving it, when, when we give, when we, in Texas, we go big. So we're giving up everything for Lent. I think there was that New Yorker cartoon and it had this, uh, you know, man and woman talking and he's like, I would give up something for Lent if I liked anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's absolutely where we're living. So, and I, yeah. I li- I've given up showers. I mean, they they're, they're telling us to conserve water, and so it's a good yeah, thing we're well, meeting over Zoom. That will put you in touch with your humanity. I so, am uh, so in touch. <laughs> let me tell you, as is everybody around me. 
I can tell by your hair. So anyway, but uh, (laughs) hey, no, I did. I put my head under the faucet. I did allow myself that to 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 quaff to style my locks a little bit. Every day looking a little more third world. So anyway, (laughs) Texas. I wonder Uh, what all those Californians who moved there are thinking right now. But anyway, I um, know seriously, San Francisco wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe those high taxes paid for something. I'm not sure what. All right, let's not get political. Right. I know, I know. It's so hard not to. We should do a political podcast someday, though. Um, I know. Well, it'll be us, you, me, and our outrage, yeah, and about right. three other listeners. All right. So we got, and also we have a we have a we have a giggler today in numbers twenty one. Not mm. only do we have a brass serpent, but we also bronze serpent. We have the name of the mountain in the first verse of the reading, which if your person know. can pronounce it without giggling, and the fifth graders in the back can also keep it together, you'll be doing better than most churches. So it's uh, it's Mount mm. Hor. Is it's, mm-hmm. it's it's H O R, but obviously sounds like another word. So, but our readings are today uh, very powerful ones. We have a Numbers 21 (laughs) versus... Stop with the juvenilia, Zimmerman. Let's bring it back to the Word of God. Okay, moving on. Thank you, Jake, for being the adult in the room. Yeah, it's Lent. Numbers 21 (laughs) verses 4 through 9. Uh, We have Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. And uh, John chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. Everyone in your congregation, especially when it comes to Ephesians 2 and John 3, will feel like they know the Bible because there are a number of memory verses located within those readings. Mm. So, but um, uh, we kick off with Numbers chapter 21 verses 4 through 9. Very powerful reading where um, the people of Israel have been in the wilderness, and uh, there's a story about this also in uh, uh, Exodus, and uh, there is a lot of grumbling happening here. Yeah, and they, things have not worked out the way they hoped. They were hoping that, that it would be a quick trip from uh, Egypt to the Promised Land, yeah. but it has taken a little bit longer. I and, love that. Yeah, and they've got to they've got to got to go in this circuitous route, or, you know, around the land of Edom, and uh, and they complain. They do what human beings do usually when stuff gets hard. Yeah, uh, I love this. For yeah. there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Wait, oh, wait, wait I so thought there you is said a... there's no food. <laughs> wait a second. You just don't like the food. You don't, you don't like the sun-dried tomatoes with the farfalla pasta. You'd rather have chicken nuggets. I yeah, get that's it. Right. Yeah. So, but then, uh, so, uh, so literally, um, God sends a curse. Uh, he sends poisonous serpents among them, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. And then the people came to Moses and said, we've sinned against, speaking against the Lord. Yep. Mm-hmm. And against you. Uh, pray that the Lord takes away the serpents. And uh, I love what happens next. Uh, God uses the very thing that has brought them death to bring life. So often we think uh, it's the thing that brings us life that will bring us life. And as St. Paul says, that which I thought would bring me life, the law actually brought me death. But this thing, this place that we would never want to look, this thing, this place that we never thought we'd hear, um, that uh, the serpent is where, in this particular scene, is where their life is found. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what's amazing about this, too, is that God commands the people to look at it. Look Mm. at the thing. Look at the thing that is the result of your sin. And there's a real just um, invitation to reckon with the results of one's actions, to step out of denial. Uh, everybody, it, it's, it's such an easy way to get healed. 
Just look at the snake. Like, look at the thing that is the result of your actions. Face the consequences. And so often we don't want to do that. We sort of enter uh, the sweet bliss of denial. But he says, look mm. at it. And, uh, and of course, um, Jesus Christ himself, based on this story, says, uh, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And there's this thing, too, where we have to look upon Christ and see the result of the sin and brokenness of the world on his shoulders, in his body, and to realize, and again, we do this in the season of Lent, where, you know, especially it reaches its high point on Palm Sunday, where we kind of uh, read that passion narrative and and ourselves become the crowd calling out for Mm -hmm. Jesus' crucifixion. And it's sort of a very old idea in the church that, that we we are the ones who put them on the cross. There's no mm. pointing to somebody else and saying it's their fault. It is It is us. Yeah. It is the human race who has done this. Yeah. There's uh, two things people don't know. Um, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but fun facts. Uh, first is the medical symbol is from this passage. That's right. You know, with the snake upon the staff. And uh, But the second is, is there's a tradition like in um, high Anglican liturgy that uh, you take the bread and you take the wine and you say, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith and with thanksgiving. Um, and you, but at that moment, you lift up the bread and the wine, and it comes from this tradition as well. Behold, Jesus, uh, the, the thing that we all brought death has now come to bring us life. And In so, violation and, of the 39 articles, but nevertheless. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it's a cool, no, it's a cool little we connector. Do. I'm totally teasing. I lift up the bread and the wine, too. R.J. Mm-hmm. Hammond not, does not. He's way too Protestant for us, but yeah. uh, we do. Well, he doesn't. I mean, we don't process it. So, anyway, <laughs> we're still within it. We're still within the bounds. So yeah, just yeah, don't, okay, okay. Don't tell R.J. Heyman. So anyway. <laughs> well, well, you know, and one thing I'll just, uh, in, you said the things that you think will bring you death will bring you life. Um, I'm struck by one of the stories we have that's emerged out of this time uh, from running this warming center during this winter storm. We had a lady uh, come to us with a lot of medical conditions. She'd actually gotten hypothermia in her apartment. And you can't actually yeah. really call it an apartment because it was essentially just a back room of a house. And the, um, as a result of... Her, First getting hospitalized and then getting released uh, into our care here at the church. Um, you know, she couldn't go back to her house, and we're obviously not set up as a long-term care facility. So the question became, what do we, what do we do? And in talking to city leadership and folks in the housing authority, we're able to work out for her a much better housing situation, long-term care, all wonderful. that sort of stuff. And it was through the worst possible thing. And like, she, if if this hadn't happened, we, nobody would have discovered her. She would just be kind of. Uh, dealing with this really awful living situation, you know, living in poverty, living with poor health, uh, and sort of unseen by the world. But this crisis kind of brought out, uh, made her presence known, Mm. and we were able to help her. So I think, you know, again, so many examples of the thing that brings you death, uh, you think will bring you death or bring you life. If you're bottoming out in your addiction, uh, you know, can bring can bring you in touch with what you where you actually need help. Absolutely, uh, there's so many things like that. The things that you think are the end are actually the beginning. Mm. The things that you think are death are actually life. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well, Aaron. I uh, once heard a story about a um, a minister who actually had a really profound profound crash, and he had spent all of this all of his time just trying to hold it together, hold it together. And while he was holding it together, it just was becoming. You know, because he thought he was hanging on to life, it was becoming, uh, he was dying all the more. It was just making things worse. 
And he shares a story about how it got so bad that he decided that um, it would be better to end his life than to face what was mm. going on. And um, uh, the way he tells it is with a bottle of Jack on the floor, an empty bottle of Jack on the floor and a revolver uh, near his chin, he laid on the floor and wept and realized at that moment he was on uh, uh, the altar of God and, uh, mm. and that it was time to finally stop trying to live on his own terms and uh and uh, and die and be raised with christ and um and uh it's true true he had to, he faced the music things completely broke down but uh, there he found life you know what i mean as opposed to uh trying to fight the serpents look upon them and uh live mm-hmm. yes and and i think sometimes that thing which you feel like is the worst thing in your life is something that god is giving you on some level and langu human language begins to break apart in when we start to talk about god's action and what god causes and doesn't cause and things like mm -hmm. that but i just think about the fact that the the food that they're complaining about which they're calling no food at all mm -hmm. and the food that they are eating is miserable is is miraculous food from god every day in the middle of the desert yeah but it's not to their liking. And I do find that sometimes the things, uh, the mercies of God that God provides every morning, things that are great blessings, we actually see as sort of burdens we must bear and we sort of gripe and grumble and, and moan about them. But And here, that griping and moaning brings them to the end of themselves and uh, gives them a chance to kind of hit the reset button. So I think, again, if, and I, you know, we've talked a lot about Lenten disciplines, and I think I shared that quote from our bishop here, make sure you choose a Lenten discipline that you will fail. And sort of sometimes the failure is the point, mm -hmm. um, it, because it, 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 if we succeed at our Lenten disciplines and you know, emerge at Easter speaking three new languages and having read a hundred <laughs> books... Um, we may have a pretty high opinion of ourselves at that point. Mm. And, uh, and, but the Christian path, as Paul also says, is one of downward mobility. Yeah, that's right. And it is, it is when, you, um, when you lose that you win, when you die that you live, all those sorts of things. Uh, that's very powerful. Well, we come to um, now the next, uh, next uh, passage is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And, uh, you know, you remember that, um, what was that early MXPX song? Ephesians 2.8 states, God doesn't say by works, but by grace. Anyway, uh, you never heard it? Now we <laughs> So I had a much cooler youth than uh -huh. you did, Jake. No, that's actually not true at all. You were, in so many levels, way cooler. The stories you have beat mine every time but you were more into christian music than i was i think so punk rock yeah, yeah i don't i don't know so yeah that was the one Did you ever listen to one bad pig no i'm a pagan you're a pagan no. she's a pagan anyways no i didn't all right so I, moving I mean, punk, yeah anyway let's get back to ephesians chapter two yeah, so yeah, things yeah. are breaking down in texas true <laughs> hanging on by a thread so ephesians chapter two uh this is a very um well uh St. Paul basically lays it out in who we actually are um, uh, before mm -hmm. we're baptized. You know, uh, you know, the truth is, is that before, before you're baptized, you're actually dead. 
You know what I mean? You're you're the Walking Dead to take a take a television re- reference from AMC, but you are dead. And uh, St. Paul makes this point. And this is why kind of things like, you know, making a decision for Jesus or or exercising your free will, these concepts really break down in Ephesians chapter 2, because dead people don't choose anything. And so uh, mm. Paul uh, makes it clear, you who were dead, not you who were just kind of struggling, you who were having a bad hair day, but you... You were dead through the trespasses and sins in, once you, in which you once lived, following the course of the world, following the ruler of the power of the air. The spirit of that is now at work among those who are disobedient. And so this is, the, this is a very powerful thing is that you're dead and dead people don't choose anything. But God, mm-hmm. here's the great thing, God who is what? not just simply enduring you, but who's rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. This is the interesting thing. When you were baptized, you were raised up in Jesus Christ. You are raised from the dead. And, you know, and, and it's like kind of like people, well, you know, but I, I did make a choice. No, no, you were dead. You know, it's kind of like the person who's maybe dead down at the bottom of the water and uh, the, the person hooks them up and is like, well, thank goodness I had a strong rib. You know, I mean, it's like taking credit for your rib that <laughs> caught the hook and like enabled yourself to get pulled up out of the... You were dead. It is by grace totally that you've been saved. And what is grace? Grace is not the Jesus juice that enables you to get your day together. Uh, grace is a verb in this case. It is what God does to you uh, to bring you alive in Jesus Christ and, uh, and raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ. I don't know. Do you got any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just this is, the, this is um, kind of ground zero for monergism as opposed to synergism. Yeah, that's a meaning beautiful point. God... God doing the action. So much of Christianity is synergistic, as it's taught uh, in this country, around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does that mean? Where it's sort of, well, Jake, it means that God does His part and I do mine. Yeah. It's sort of, um, and it's it's the um, Christian version of the secular Ben Franklin teaching: God helps those who help themselves, yeah. which is found nowhere in the Bible, and actually. Um, is kind of antithetical to the understanding of, of how we see things in the scriptures, especially in this passage, uh, where it says, you were dead and God raised you. And it's like, he, Paul just wants to underline this over and over. By grace you've been saved, this is not your own doing. Mm-hmm. And then he says, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. <laughs> and... Uh, he just, he, he doesn't allow you to get away. But don't I have to do something? No, you don't. And this, this, is, this passage is an invitation, if there ever was one, preachers, to um, just convey the richness and unparalleled, mm-hmm. unmatched grace of God in the gospel, uh, because they're not getting it anywhere else mm-hmm. in their lives. And this is the time where you can say, you were dead and you have been raised to life. You feel terrible about yourself for so many reasons and so many ways, and there are things that are legitimately wrong mm-hmm. with you and your life, but... God, who has immeasurable riches of grace and kindness, has raised you to new life in your baptism. For we are, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, you know, which yeah. God, and, and then even that, which God prepared beforehand 
to be our way of life. Um, I think about that uh, that show Ted Lasso a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you've you've converted me, and uh, if you have not watched it yet, get ready to binge. But um, it's amazing. But you know, you see what he's doing there. This is this team that has been trying to get it together, trying to get it together, and they are, as the owner says, mediocre at best. But what Ted Lasso yeah. is doing is is he's getting in there, and through failure. Through failure, he is creating this team into his into his image, which is something that is gracious, something that is kind, something that is ready to do uh, good works. I think about that scene in episode four where the um, the coach. Uh, he goes to visit that school that won their championship, and he brings like their star player, and everybody freaks out. And uh, and the the principal at the end of the day is like, that is the longest anybody has ever stayed with us. You know, that's the most mm-hmm. attention anybody's ever given these kids. And even the the even the um, uh, you know the 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 soccer player, the star soccer player, is ultimately moved by this. And uh, mm-hmm. so it is. It you know that's a good illustration. I don't know. Do you want to hone yeah. it? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's honed. I think, uh, watch Ted Lasso, whether you pre-shot it or not as an illustration, it's, it's the most um, clear depiction of the gospel in a TV show that I've ever seen, uh, or one of the clearest, and it's, uh, uh, it's just, a, and it's beautiful, it's funny, it's really well done. The, um, the one thing I do want to mention is that Ephesians 2.10 is quoted by Archbishop Thomas Thomas Cranmer mm. in Rite One of the Eucharistic service mm. in the post-communion prayer. So this passage, which is translated kind of a little clunkily here, misses a lot mm. of the sense of the original Greek. Thank you for saying um, that. I was going to bring thing, that up, but I decided to pass on it. I didn't want to rant. Well, I'm not going to let it slide because <laughs> uh, there are Episcopalians listening to this lay and clergy who don't know this fact, don't know the scriptures that are within our own liturgy. So as uh, someone once said, the, the prayer book is just uh, the scriptures set to prayer. Mm-hmm. Like it's, we, it allows us to pray the word of God. So this verse at the end here translated, For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And way of life has a very kind of 20th century mm-hmm. kind of ring to it. And um, that's not what the Greek says. The Greek uses the word peripateo, walking, to walk in. These are the, the good works which we should walk in. And um, uh, which just as you go about your daily life. And it's kind of a reference almost to Jesus's peripatetic ministry, meaning this is a ministry of walking around. You know, that old phrase, management by walking around. That's how Jesus did his ministry, just walking from village to village and being with people. So as we walk around day to day in our lives, um, uh, these good works are given to us. God has prepared them in advance that we just, we walk in them. So like, think of yourself, like sometimes you think of good works as like some heavy load you have to put, pick up and shoulder and kind of, oh, you got to, I got to do this good thing. But God has prepared these good things for us to walk in. Just kind of, I almost imagine like putting on shoes that God has already prepared for us that are sitting there. Mm. And so in the post-communion prayer, this is exactly what we read um, where I, I, I had it and then I was going to read it and then I, and I lost it. Uh, but here, give me three seconds. Yeah, so... Oh, uh, we humbly beseech thee, O Heavenly Father, so to assist us with thy grace, again, this is in Ephesians 2, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all such good works as thou hast prepared for us to walk in, which is a verbatim translation from the Greek of what we get in this weird English version 
in uh, Ephesians 2.10. So uh, these works are not something that we do in order to earn anything. They are something that God has prepared for us to walk in. Um, and uh, we do them only um, because we have been assured that there's nothing more for us to earn. That's so that's right. all I want to say about that. Well, then uh, that crosses us right over to John 3, uh, 14 through 21. And I'm so glad that we go past 16 uh, because uh, 17, I think, is uh, where some of the real meat is. But, um, oh, it's the kicker. But here we have this particular passage where Jesus is meeting with one of the Pharisees, a guy by the name of Nicodemus. They're meeting in the middle of the night because uh, Nicodemus doesn't want to be seen with him by the day. And they're asking him, he's been asking him all sorts of questions like how uh, are people born? And, uh, you know, what, what do you mean being born again by water and the spirit? All of these things. And, uh, he's, uh, and Jesus basically takes this back to... Uh, takes us back to Numbers, our reading today in Numbers, and he says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so this, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And we come to the great kicker, the gospel in one sentence, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And then here comes the real thing, and this is what people forget. You know, they think that that line got you into the dance, but you better learn how to dance to stay in the dance. But God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, to wave his finger at it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I mean, that mm -hmm. is what it is all about, that the world might be saved through him. By grace, you've been saved. Yeah, amen. Uh, and we have... Um also quite wonderfully here this part in verse 17 as you said just this um the the non-condemnation which as you said you know john 317 is kind of i'm i'm more partial to that than 316 mm -hmm. uh, because so many people think jesus was sent into the world to condemn it mm -hmm. people think christians main job is to condemn other people uh, and sadly, that is what Christians do over and over again um, and give themselves a bad rap and make themselves the least attractive religion out there. That's right. But that is, that is not actually Christianity, and that is not the mission of Jesus Christ. It says Jesus Christ came not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Yeah. Uh, it's a religion of freedom. It's a religion of pardon. It's, um, I mean, it, religion isn't even the right word. Um, it's a message of freedom. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful and, thing, and I, it's, it's an incredible passage. And it hits how it all works, you know, just simply those who believe in him are not condemned, you know, and, uh, but those who do not believe in him are condemned already. You know, this is a powerful thing, is, is that this is what it's all, I mean, on one level, this is, it's not about what you do, what, what the Son of God reveals is what's already there. You know, this is the mm -hmm. judgment that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It's not that it's, yep. you know, boom, and now here's your choice. Make your choice, ladies and gentlemen. It's like, here it is. Oh, let me just show you how things work. I grumble yep. against every good and perfect gift that comes from God every day. You know what I mean? I do not want to look at that which I thought would bring me death is the thing that actually brings me life because I'm so busy living my life and doing my thing. But it also yep. reveals how desperate I am. It also reveals how little I am. It also reveals how profoundly loved I am, how deeply mm. forgiven I am, and uh, how much uh, and how great this salvation actually is. 
Yeah, and I think uh, to just bring it on home, you have to look no farther than Ted Lasso of an example of how a non-condemning presence can transform mm -hmm. human beings and human organizations. Uh, who's you know Ted Lasso is this coach that comes into a, as you said, mediocre at best team, really a failing soccer team. And he's a but he's is, a uh, he's a B level uh, football coach. Like that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like Division three winning American football coach. Uh, and so, but he comes into the situation and uh, the management's a wreck, the team is a wreck, and, you know, there are some schools of coaching where he should come in and, you know, start yelling at people and berating them into performance. Uh, you know, I was a rower in college and there was a shirt that was sort of famous, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Like, that is some of the... Uh, the um, idea that some people think of what a good coach is or whatever, you know, tough love, etc. And Ted Lasso comes in and offers no condemnation to anyone, even though they all, they all absolutely deserve it. And uh, it's pretty amazing how it's transformative. So anyways, uh, it turns out that love uh, creates lovely people. And judgment and condemnation uh, creates alienation, more acting out, and... Um, uh, more distance in relationships and and this is so Jesus here comes to say he comes not to condemn the world but to love the world it's pretty amazing amen well that is uh the episode and uh, uh keep listening and uh, keep tuning in and keep preaching the gospel no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus amen and uh don't be like Indiana Jones who was too afraid to look at the snakes mm. actually you got to look at them yeah look at them embrace them and know your life is found there <laughs> Hug the snake. Okay. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.